three movie podcast of the movie Exodus Gods and Kings My name is Christian Murawski and I am joined here as I am joined here every here by Kelly Wand Hi Kelly Wand do you have a tagline for the Exodus Gods and Kings movie that we saw this week Thou shalt not enjoy <laughs> <laughs> Everything's short tonight. Like uh, my okay. Uh, my What's backup the... is Slozes. Do you have a favorite short Bible verse? Jesus wept. Yeah, what is that? It's a Bible verse. Yeah, but what's the chapter and verse? Give it to me. Oh, uh, what? And the, the math part's not important. It's John eleven thirty five, baby. Bring it. It's just numbering the paragraphs. That's a good point, actually. Wait, John, say it again? What is it? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. John 35. Yeah, that's the best one. Damn. It was just because one guy, the monk or whatever, went, wait, that's good just by itself. Like, <laughs> he just made that call. He could put the next number three paragraphs down. The monk sounds like he's played by Gary Marshall. Keep his, his job's to decide where where the verse numbers go. That came last. Jesus wept. Keep it. Wait, in Book of Eli, did he quote that? Did he have to do the numbers too every time? Oh my 6. god. Six point eighty three. Wow, I don't know. Blow your mind. Ah. Totally do it. Speaking of blowing my mind, Kelly Wan, do you have an IMDb opsis for this week's uh, Exodus Gods and Monsters movie show? Yeah, but it's not for that movie. Oh, okay. That's the wand promise. It'll never be the same as the movie. <laughs> the wand promise. I might, I might actually do that, though. All right. Maybe that's not fair. Because it's be the non-spoilery part. What you asked for, here it is. Fred P. Cheney. <laughs> this is going to be one of those ones where the one guy gets it. Wait a minute. Fred P. Cheney? That's the part that made you say, wait a minute. Yeah, because why would they start, why, why would they bother? It's like when you guys complain, or especially you complain, whenever I talk about a movie and I name the character, you're like, why should we remember the character's name? Well, you remember the kid's name and White House or um, Olympus is down. White House has fallen. <laughs> Can't get up. <laughs> it's also weird when there's an initial too, like Fred P. Cheney. Oh, that one. Oh, that that's right. But IMDb is all initials, so I guess I shouldn't sound that weird. Uh, Fred P. Cheney receives as inheritance after the death of his mother a speaking horse. That also has good knowledge about the stock market. With the help of this horse, Fred gains a lot at the stock market of Chicago. Wow. I have no idea what this is. Ah, come on. There's not that many talking horse movies. I know there's not, but I don't know any of them. 
It's weird because there's a lot of monkey movies, but except for Planet of the Apes, the, the monkeys never talk. But talking horse is like an American tradition. <laughs> like talking Mr. Ed was a big hit. An American tradition. Was Mr. Ed a genius too, or was he a dumb horse? Like he was a stupid person. He was like smart for a horse just because he could talk, or was he like smarter than his owner? Uh, I think you've got a thesis paper bubbling up. The name of this movie is uh, Hot to Trot. <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> uh, Bobcat Goldthwait is, plays the role of Fred P. Cheney. And you would only know it because the girl in it's someone that you like. I like that you pronounced his name Bobcat Goldthwait. Because it reminds me of the way they pronounced Ramesses in this movie. Oh. They, have, they have to put an extra vowel in, and you, well, that's what you did with bo- with Bobblecat. Bobblecat. He just went to Bob, though, didn't he? Bob. Yeah, Bobcat. Bob. Oh, did he? Did he become Bob Goldthwait? And then Tom Cruise and Kate. Like Tom. like Rick Schroeder. Yeah, remember? Oh yeah, I remember. Believe me. So who's the girl that I like in this movie? In Hot I should Detroit? just go to Kel. 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 Hey, oh Kel? no. Kel Wand, the secret of the Kel Wand. Because Kelly, when people say it, they usually sound like they're whining. It's like a whiny sounding name. Kelly! (laughs) Is that what I sound like when I say Kelly? Kelly! No, you try to avoid saying it. Uh, Only in certain circumstances. The girl's Virginia Madsen, that's why you should. Oh, I like Virginia Madsen. Who directed this silly Hot to Trot movie? She also directed it. No, she did not. I might be making that up. Well, you might be. I don't know. Who you want to know who directed Hot to Trot? Is that yeah? Because when you first brought up Bobcat Bobcat Goldthwait, I thought you were saying that Bobcat Goldthwait directed it, and I I love uh, I love at least two of the movies he's directed. Wait, how many has he made besides Sling Blade? Stop that! <laughs> oh, that guy, that Bob, right. He directed Shakes the Clown, which is the oh yeah, I love that one. The Citizen Kane of alcoholic clown movies, yeah. according to the DVD cover, and he also directed World's Greatest Dad, which is a really good movie with a great Robin Williams performance in it. Um, um, but he's also done a whole bunch of terrible things. But I, I was wondering if he did since you when you said Hot to Trot and, and then you said Bobcat Goldthwait, I thought that he might have directed that. Uh. The stock market's kind of boring, though. I think that's the part they should have rewritten. <laughs> like, he should be, like, a great gambler. That would make more sense. The horse. If the horse knows stocks, that's not... You can't have a good third act from that. Can you? Yeah, but if you have horse sense. Uh, moving on. So what was the, the Egyptian god Horus? Also a horse. It's <laughs> uh, directed by Michael Dinner. All right, never mind. I'm sorry I asked who directed it. I wish wish Virginia Madsen had directed it. That would be a great story. Because one of the the trailers, not to equate her to Virginia Madsen, but one of the trailers in the – when I went to see Exodus, colon, Gods, and Monsters today. um, (laughs) You saw it today? I don't know why that's funny to me. (laughs) One of the trailers was for an Angelina Jolie movie that she directed, and this is at least the second one. The one that got stabbed by the Oscar or the Golden Globes? Yeah, I think so. It's called Unbroken or something, I think. But I went to the mo- a movie theater that literally had 30 minutes of previews before the movie. I, I mean, God, P- 
people. What is wrong with you? We're about well, to sit we, through a, a two-hour and 35-minute movie. Let, let us get to it. We have to sit through those same previews every fucking week, too. I know. Oh, my God. So no one's getting more screwed than us. And and plus, I'm this idiot who's plugging his ears through most of them, no, so I might as well be enough. taking a nap. Uh. But, like, there's one time in ten where the trailer makes me want to see the movie, and it didn't give enough. It gave exactly enough away. Right. Well, anyway, um, so we've got our IMDb Opsis, and uh, let me just assure everybody that we're not in spoiler territory yet. I'm just going to let you know what we saw this week. We saw um, the – this week we saw Exodus, Colin, Gods and Kings, a 2014 international action-adventure, biblically-inspired drama movie about Passover. It was directed by Ridley Scott. And written by Adam Cooper, Ampersand, Bill Collage, and Jeffrey Kane, and Steven Zalian, based on the book of the same name by God. It stars Indira Varma, Maria Valverde, Ben Mendelsohn, Hayam Abbas, and Tara Fitzgerald. Exodus, calling Gods and Kings, is rated PG-13 for violence, including battle sequences, and intense images. The Bible's got a lot of intense images. It It does. The Bible is totally rated R. I don't know what the heck they're thinking. Uh, This week's numbers just got faxed over from our research department. Uh, We actually still have a fax machine. We have a teletype, but these numbers came over on the fax for some reason. And so Exodus, Gods, and Kings... (laughs) On uh, Rotten Tomatoes, percentage, <laughs> the percentage of reviews that are positive. Kelly, would you care to guess what Exodus, Colin, Gods and Kings got on Rotten Tomatoes? 74, 60, 66. <laughs> You're laughing at me. I am laughing at you because on Rotten Tomatoes, Exodus, Gods and Kings got 28%. <gasps> Whoa. The top critics... Top critics gave it 25%. The audience gave it 41%. So the uh, Rotten Tomatoes, again, the percentage of reviews that are positive, 28%. Mm. Well, that, I mean, here. What? what I guess this is for later, probably. But, like, is, is this not what they expected? Like, if you see. Like, are those numbers based on it's a piece of shit? Or is it just like, I thought this was going to be way cooler? I thought the CG in this was going to be knock my dick in the dirt. Like, is that what they're objecting to? <laughs> I have no idea what any of those people think because I don't read any reviews before well, we... we read those numbers. We're trying to crunch the numbers. We're trying right, to right. Foundation um, I would think that the name Ridley Scott would carry a certain amount of cachet so that it used if, to. if somebody's just turning in a review, like, cursorily, you would get well above 28%. It surprises me that it's that low, to be quite honest. But it's post-Robin Hood... It's also the same uh, – never mind. We'll just get into it later. All right. On Metacritic, which is the average ratings from various reviews, Metacritic score is at 52. So that's their Metascore it's at 52. So that's like twice the other one. Right. Uh, box office. Of, of course, uh, Exodus won the box office, uh, but it did so weekly. Uh, not weekly as in every week, but just not strongly. 
It made about $25 million, uh, which is sad since it cost $140 million to make. Um, And so it's doing about $20 million worse than Noah, if you can imagine. Huh. Exodus Gods and Kings is doing much worse than Noah did. As a one as its opening weekend. As its opening weekend. To me is it um okay. It has opened much more weekly and I don't mean every week, but not less strong, less strongly than Noah did, which I think it's amazing that that the Darren Aronofsky movie about Noah opened stronger than a Ridley Scott movie about Moses. I think that's hilarious. Is it um, weird? It's like, why don't they just come out weekly? Like, they come in, because TV shows do. It's like, there's yeah. an episode of the TV show a week, and then you and then you just have to check in. But it's like, movies just play all day till like, no one's there anymore, and then leave. Right, that's a good point. TV show gets one shot at it every week. Yeah, so it would change how the ratings... Not ratings. Yeah, true. The other kind of ratings. Weekly versus weekly dingus. So anyway, this December is incredibly weak. Sparse. Uh, it is sparse. I mean, the number one movie was Exodus, and it just sort of <laughs> stumbles across the finish line with $25 million. Then we've got Mockingjay and Penguins of Madagascar as the next two movies. Oh. Um, the, and, and Penguins, I haven't Wait, seen... That's... I haven't seen Mockingjay, although I had lunch with somebody who did see it, and he liked it. <laughs> um, but Penguins is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And it's it's number three this week. And it's number three numbers are $7 million. So uh, December, you know, usually we're used to, uh, as far as I'm concerned, getting to the end of the year and getting so excited about doing our end-of-the-year lists. And this is usually when they start to release things that they want to be in Oscar contention. So the the top quality movies are coming out all at once. And we're seeing almost none of that. You know, for next week, when that Hobbit movie is coming out, there's almost nothing coming out other than that movie. And it's it's really weird. And I don't know if that's a function of the fact that they're starting to spread out the releases because this is not a weak year for movies. Spoiler alert. Um, we've seen a lot of good movies, but we saw them early in the year. Uh, but in December right now, it's good Lord. It's like a, it's like we're wandering in the desert out here. It's terrible for 40 years. Yeah. It I feels think it's because next year is going to be top heavy because next year's a bunch of stuff. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't know if this is, you might be right about that. I think that, that, I think that January, we're going to have to start not looking at January as a dumping ground because it looks like there's an important, you know, one of the one of the movies that was previewed before Exodus, uh, Gods and Kings, was the Selma movie, which looks like kind of an important movie, but it's coming out in January, and usually they shovel things off that nobody likes, like The Gray, into January. Uh, wait, you love The Gray. Oh, that's right. I did love The Gray. And maybe that was the turning point. Maybe when history looks back, they will look at the year of The Gray as the year when January started to be looked at as, hey, we can put good movies out in January if we want. It seems like it's counter-programming, because if you put out in January and you're the best movie ever, like everyone's going to go see it then. You know? Yeah, and you can have it... By the way, you can have it available digitally by the time the Oscars come around easily. So people can actually have access to it for the entire year. Whereas in, in the in the past, 
if your movie comes out in January, nobody's going to have access to it on DVD until you know the next year. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm very excited, though. I'm very excited about the way things are going, even though it means that you and I uh, and Tom, when he comes back, have to scramble to find things to watch because it's really weak. It's a weak maybe story. the movie industry is just waiting on Tom. Maybe no, maybe that's true, or maybe they maybe they just released other great stuff early on because it's usually like if a, if, they, if it's a weak December, it mean it's a harbinger of a weak year. But that isn't. I I honestly do not think that is the case this year. I think 2014 fucking rocked. Oh, you mean yeah, but no, like tent poles all bombed. It was like a bad year for them. Oh, I totally disagree with you. I mean, even the even the big action movies, some of them were fucking awesome. Which ones? Guardians of the Galaxy, the biggest That's the movie only one. year. Uh, well, you know, I That's would disagree. With, you would disagree with me on Captain America: Winter Soldier, which I loved. I'm sure I could think of a couple other others if I was going to bother. Yeah, but there were like nine million other. Yeah, those are those both did, but like those are. There was like fifty other ones, weren't there? Yeah, but e- but my like point is that even the even the um, action blockbusters that came out were were kind of higher quality. I mean, even you know, Tom and I even liked that silly <laughs> Transformers movie. I mean, what the fuck? Um, you know, in X Men: Days of Future Past, I hated it, but a lot of people think it's a pretty good movie. Uh, and that's yeah. that's a big action movie. So the action movies this year weren't so bad. It's it's been a weird year, but I think it's a really strong year. And I can't wait to talk lists because you know I've been working on my list for the last couple of months, and I'm gonna have trouble. I'm gonna have a really hard time getting it down to ten. And this doesn't usually happen at this time of the year. I'm usually like, what's that last movie you're gonna put on? And I'm gonna have a hard time getting down to ten. It's gonna be hard. Hmm. I think I have exactly ten. Right. Then don't. Watch, I don't like what. Then don't watch anything else this year. I'm gonna try. <laughs> Can't promise anything. That's the wand promise. All right. Speaking of wand promises, I think we should move into spoiler territory now, Kelly, because this is this is the moment that everybody has been waiting for, and this would be the moment where you, Kelly Wand, talk about I don't know the plot or. Anything that went on during Exodus, Gods and Kings, I don't know what you would call it, because there are so many words for you to play with. Yeah. I, I'm not even going to venture to guess. You shouldn't. It's too complicated even to All right. All predict. Right. Give it to me. Exodopsis, Gops, and Rafflecopsises. <laughs> so I didn't really change much. That is awesome. This is like something that, that I would put in my son's lunchbox. There should be a verse after that. So. <laughs> I'm too lazy to come up with a number. Would you, would, you say, would you please say it one more time so I can get one clean thing that I could use like as a... So in case it's a meme? Yeah, go ahead. Exodops... And I'm the guy who can't remember Martha May Marlene. That's fine. Exodopsis, Gops, and Rafflecopsises. <laughs> All right. So to be clear, everybody, we're going into spoiler territory here. As the title implies. So if you really want to wait to see uh, 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 then you should turn off the podcast at this point and wait till you see it. But uh, other than that, Kelly Wand, I want you to to get in your chariot and crank this out. Oh. Oh. Exodopsis, Gops, and Rafflecopsis. (laughs) 
some words are all, in the beginning, God was all. God, I'm awesome. Here, I'll prove it. So he made human beings, then rained on them. Mostly because a few of them had turned out gay. God liked one group most because they knew about him. So he had another group enslave them to make giant triangular piles of stone to hide their dead rich people in. There weren't that many rich people back then, which is why there's only three. After 400 years of this, God was all. No one fucks with my chosen people for 400 years and gets away with it. What do I look like? Time for more fun with weather and wildlife. I look over at the chariot sitting beside me and go, Hey, if Noah was the only survivor of the flood, that means he's also the father of Egypt. So all those talking jackal gods of yours are just confused racial memories from Noah's Ark. Now animals only talk in cartoons. So much for evolution, huh? I shrug knowledgeably. The words on the screen tap their foot impatiently, so I quiet down. Then they're all, getting back to ancient history, Kelly, to punish the slaves for some reason, the pharaoh ordered all the slave kids to die, but one of the moms put hers in a reed basket and sent it floating down the Nile. Warning, not shown in movie. Or maybe it was up the Nile. Scholars are divided on this point, much like the Red Sea itself. Warning, spoiler alert, and also not in the movie. As the basket floats down current, many Egyptian moms lined up along its banks to look at it, then scout their own unfinished reed baskets and overweight kids. These are the words, by the way, <laughs> beginning still. It's all just scrolling. Because that's all they had back then. Moses's basket was found by a character who is not relevant, probably a woman, for his floating skills as an infant, and even though it sort of subverted their still ongoing anti-fetus pogrom, at age one, Moses was made a general by the pharaoh, John Turturro, much <laughs> annoyance of his orange stepbrother, Ramsey, played by TV's Ray Liotta. Thirty years later, Moses, it is I, your stepbrother, Ramsey. Excuse me, Moses. I can't tell from our performances whether we've ever been on good terms. <laughs> yeah, hey there. We grew up together. Uh, I could not help noticing you're whipping an old lady. I may be a general and all, but you know I have mixed feelings about the infirm. Please wait until my gaze is averted. Uh. Fake brother. <laughs> what? Did I, uh... Is it not like Christian Bale enough? No, no, it's just gaze is averted. Gaze is averted. Ow. Fake brother, if you knew the vile filth this crone was just spouting, you would whip her yourself tenfold. I do everything in tens. It's just a cool number. I don't know. Moses, this crone and these 40 other ones I already whipped say that you were not born of intercourse between my parents, but arrived by basket, like the character in the motion picture basket case. I've never felt so repulsed. Well, I have no way of ascertaining these charges, but I do enjoy being in baskets. Very well. Then I shall now cut off this old woman's arm. Wait, I'll leave <laughs> <laughs> I didn't change anything. I know. <laughs> Very well. I should have cut off this old woman. I'm just transcribing. <laughs> I assume he cut it off after he left. <sighs> I mean, all right, I'll leave town for a few years and become a gladiator. 
like in that one movie. That should solve everything. For his treasonous claims of being adopted, Moses is banished to the worst hell devised by the ancient Egyptian justice system, an oasis full of nubile young women. Well, one. <laughs> I think it's just her, right? She. He takes her out one night to the oasis they live right beside. After the usual preliminary chit-chat about her cats and all the crazy <laughs> shit that happened on Shepherd's Trail that day... She's all. Forgive my ignorance, white man from town, but does not circumcision make it smaller? And please put in your pork on Sunday's thing again. Look, whatever your name is. Uh, I think Miriam's my sister. All matters what you do with it, see, with respect to the pork. But you might be right on the dick thing. Speaking of which, what makes you happy? Oh, so many things. Reliable behavior in a spouse, undying loyalty to Allah... A mate with a sense of humor who appreciates free thinking and for whom nothing is ever set in stone. Uh, let's get back to that one. What's the most important thing to you? Oh, that would be family. Knowing that my children will always have a father present whom they can look up to, one who never procrastinates, is respectful of other cultures, loves my pet snake, and wishes to settle down, but who is also not enjoying a good party or the savory taste of my favorite delicacy. Calf marinated in gold sauce. Uh, so when are you leaving? Wait, I think you were supposed to ask me these. Let's start over. Oh, Moses, enough foolish talk. Let us make love. Moses? Moses opens his eyes and finds himself buried up to the face in quicksand. He's all, not again. Damn my weakness for those Moroccans. A creepy kid emerges from a burning bush. He's all, Moses, it's me, God. I chose to speak to you in a dream so you'd know it really happened. I need you to go back on foot to uh, whatever the Egyptian capital is called, try not to get assassinated on site, and transport a bunch of people from that desert to another desert, because you're related to them. Also, I wasn't masturbating in that bush, by the way. Well, I believe the first part. Why me? Because I need your martial prowess as a tactician for the battle parts. And based on your conversations with Ramsey and your hot tamale there, I think you'd be equally good at negotiations. FYI, don't worry, she's making out with your sidekick Aaron right now. I cast a miracle on her so we could have this alone time. Any questions? Yeah. He wakes up. He marries Mrs. Moses and they adopt a kid. He's blonde like Dracula's. <laughs> Some words are all, for nine years nothing happens. <laughs> I look over at the nine-year-old sitting beside me, but he's not the one from the movie. Moses dreams again. The god kids all. Hey, remember that Tough Love Egypt project we talked about? It's go time. Roses. Moses is all. I wish you'd hassle me when I was actually there in Egypt. Now I'm here. I got a kid. Moses, he's got our people building ancient wonders. 400 years I've tolerated such insolence, but it felt more like 420. That's what I'm saying. We're getting kind of a late start. Can't Ben Kingsley do it? You two have such a good rapport and this game. <laughs> Moses, I commanded thee to free our people from Egyptian servitude and usher in their glorious future of endless migrations. Never again will they suffer in captivity. Except uh, to the Babylonians and the Romans. We'll get into World War II later. Jackie Mason... Moses wakes up screaming. His wife's all, now what? He's all, uh, I'm going away for an indefinite period. You might want to set a couple extra places for dinner. 
Moses returns home. Much like Hercules, Caesar, and Katniss, he teaches the exhausted downtrodden how to duck archery fire horseback. Which oh, becomes... you, you brought up Hercules! Yeah. It's the same movie. Yeah, it is. I'm so happy that you brought up Hercules. You didn't Go ahead. care about the Planet of the Apes, Caesar? I don't even know what that means. He's the other one who trained everybody. Ah, that's right. It's one guy who knows how to like avoid arrows or bullets, and then he can you can just train them, like a snipe, like a sniper, dingus. <laughs> Nobody what? knows what you're talking about right now. I'm 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 doing yeah. I'm doing a Tom quote. Tom Tom would object to you saying that because nobody knows what you're talking about. Oh, I thought you said that during the podcast. Oh, maybe I did. Much like Hercules, both Hercules. Caesar and Katniss. He teaches the exhausted downtrodden how to duck archery fire on horseback, which will become super critical later when the armies never fight. <laughs> he has a sword, even, and they still don't fight. Except for that shit. <sighs> Outrageous. In his Star Destroyer, Ramsey's all most. It seems I should have sent more than my two worst assassins to that oasis. Priestess of Set, what say the Sigourney Weaver dissects a duck, studies the entrails for a second, and goes, Yeah, looks like we're going to need armor. <laughs> Ramsey's all, as I suspected, scribe, fetch me LaBeouf. Sigourney's all, no, I meant leather shirts kind of armor, which I guess we don't normally use. She squelches around some more in duck kidneys and goes, There's also something here about chariots and cliffs, but it could be a typo. I lean over to the 900-year-old sitting beside me and go, even ducks are on the Egyptian side? That doesn't seem like a fair fight. After Moses' efforts to destroy the town's food supply and burning down his own people's homes. You're welcome, slaves. God's all. Actually, you were right. I don't need you. Just watch the CG. Alligators show up and eat some sailors. Frogs show up and eat the alligators. The CG flies show up and eat the frogs. Locusts come and also eat the frogs, along with a couple screaming pedestrians and that truck from Day the Earth stood still. It hails loud CG for ten minutes. Everybody gets staged to arachnophobia. Zits worsen. Phoenicia declares an end to daylight savings time. Bruises and scrapes are suffered, but luckily only by mummies. Finally, the god Osiris comes to Ramsey in a dream and admits he's no match for frogs. All the firstborn in the city are killed, except Ramsey, oddly. Is it he firstborn, too? Never mind. <laughs> As the pyramids smolder, maybe he had lamb's blood on the door by chance. As the pyramids smolder and the streets fill with insects dead, a newspaper papyrus is all. Moses declared savior of the city. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you win that round. Very well done. Well, there's a little more. Go ahead, keep it going. Ramsey's all. Very well. With the death of my son, I no longer wish to kill you. Goodbye, Moses. Moses is all. No hard feelings, buddy. He and the Israelites leave. The next day, Ramsey's all. Wait, what the fuck was I talking about? After. <laughs> That's directly from the text. Yeah, That's directly from Exodus. That's it's awesome. Hard. What the, what the fuck was I talking about? Scratch all that. <laughs> I love the Bible. What was I thinking? I know. 
<laughs> well, he's cooled off then, and he gets mad later. Right. That's how it you. Moses leads his people to the coastline of the Red Sea. He's all, wait, why'd I take us this way again? Ah, fuck it. He throws his sword into the ocean, which causes an earthquake. <laughs> they run between tidal waves and make it to safety. God sends a shark to eat one of the chariots. Remember that part? <laughs> no, I don't, but I, don't. Wish, I wish I had seen that. It's like one chariot in the water. And the, and wheel the shark beats. chomps it in the yeah. Red Sea? Yeah. Oh, man, I missed that. I must have been it's writing a note. Oh. The wheel bleeds a little, making a small part of the sea slightly red for a couple seconds. Aaron Paul's all, that's right, bitch. <laughs> You're going to need a bigger chariot. Yeah. 40 years pass. That's why, because his name's Aaron. I get it. 40 years pass, the Israelites invent stagecoaches. Moses is all, look, up ahead. He squints into the lumpy brownness and shakes the box, sitting next to him excitedly. We made it. Credits roll. That's the end of that. <laughs> That's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> we just uh, it's there. And that he it took that long just because for a reason. Just because <laughs> for a reason. Well, uh, he's he's 40 years older than that last shot. And the reason for that was there was a big fight. But they don't cover that. What? The they don't cover, like, the Golden Calf stuff or the Ten Commandments. Oh, they do cover it. He's they they he, cover it, but in a very cursory it's, way. It's it's the same way Ridley Scott directed G.I. Jane. He directed the movie, and then he decided I want to I want to tack on like a little sequel to the end. I'm just not going to even stop. Nobody's going to tell me not to put twenty or thirty more fucking minutes on this movie. And I'm just going to tack them on, and they have nothing to do with the actual title of the movie, which is Exodus, and it's about getting out of Egypt. It's not about. Yeah. It's not about the Ten... If you want to make the Ten Commandments movie, make that. If you want to make the Golden Calf movie about the Ten Commandments, do that. If you want to do the oh, getting see. to Canaan thing, do that. But but the the story, we it's clearly over after the Red Sea. I mean, that's the, the movie's done by then. And then we have this whole, now he's going to stumble back to his village and we're going to pretend it's a love story. <laughs> right, but if you're going to show him 40 years later then you've already sort of engaged in what you're talking about. like Right, right. But he does nothing with it. It's all cursory. It's all, he may as well have just... Like it's all said, epilogue. It's just, in that next second. Right. It's just, this also happened, this also... It's, it really is... The, it, it's tantamount to title cards at the end of a movie that say, and then this guy did this, and then that guy did that, but he just does it visually. It's, it is weird, though, that he, you don't see what he's reacting to. No, no, you don't. Because narrative, it doesn't make any sense it for the narrative structure of the movie. So it's Meek's cut off intentionally. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so before we go further into all before of the things that. that we loved about uh, Exodus, Gods, and Kings, uh, Kelly, wanted, how did you feel about this movie? Did you love it? Did you really love it? Or did you super awesome love it? Um... It's not one of my favorite stories. Um, really? Yeah, I think it's overrated because it's a bunch of Deus Ex Machina. It's like Moses isn't doing. Oh, anything. what do you mean? It's it's. Well, uh, of course, it's it's the ultimate God Machine. It's a no God character. Machine story. Yeah, 
the Bible gets really good to me, like in Judges and like around Samuel, and you get into like David, and that's just really interesting, and cool. Well, why is that more interesting than this? Because this is, like I mean, I mean, just happen. thinking about cinematically, I mean, when you think about this story, it's so. I mean, I grew up in Sunday school, and this story is so cinematic when you read it. But you you would prefer Judges? Yeah, maybe. You're, well, just because I haven't seen it, so maybe that's part. Uh, of it. All right. Like, like that. This is sort of like Psycho. Moses is. It's kind of like, and without the plagues. What do you mean without I mean, the plagues? Well, picture it without that. It's definitely way less cinematic. Well, yeah, I, I agree so, with you. So yeah. Moses isn't really the money shot. You know what I mean? He's right. just an angry old dude. <laughs> and with Noah, it's kind of the same thing. Like the floods, the money shot. But this movie made me nostalgic for Noah because Noah was kind of batshit crazy, and this movie wasn't really very batshit crazy. It, Although, it, yeah, it is amazing that this that and and I wrote this in my notes. I'm so glad you said that. Is like I'm I'm like thanks Ridley Scott for making me love the movie Noah. Yeah, because Noah has some ideas in it. It takes some chances, and it's like thoughtful. And this movie is definitely not any of those. Things. It, it takes some chances. It it goes in this whole mythological other way with those rock yeah. creatures. It goes crazy. It goes nuts. This movie is like we're just going to move the needle a little bit. We're going to fuck around with the plague yeah. a little bit, and we're just going to mess around with some of the relationships. But we're not going to do much. But Noah at least swung for the fences for yeah. for say yeah. the first twenty minutes. Noah was like an act. It was from the heart. Like he, he's really, he's like working his own shit out. And this is kind of like let's CG the play. Like there's no ideas in this that weren't already covered somewhere else. Like Prince of Egypt kind of did the same oh. thing. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. And I, well, uh, you know, my po- my problem is that I know this story so well, having grown up, you know, in so many different Sunday schools, um, that. I sat there going, look, if you're not going to do something spectacular in contrast to the way the plagues were presented to me when I read them as a kid, then either cue the course or don't do this movie. I mean, if you, if you, I don't care if you don't follow the biblical story. As with Noah, I don't care if you fuck around with the story. That's fine. You don't, yeah. you know, Tom. One of the wonderful things that Tom sort of taught me as we've done this podcast is that the source material doesn't matter. We're, talk, we're, we're talking about a movie right now. So if you're going to take this, this material that I know so intimately and you're just going to go, then go. Go. Go with it. I mean, and, and making God into a petulant child isn't part of that. I mean, that's… That's Unless a, that's your point. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a standard trope. You know, God is an yeah, angry kid, blah, blah, blah. Very nice. But can you do something interesting with that? No, you can't. Can you do something interesting with the burning bush? No, you can't. Can you do something interesting with the plagues? No, you're making the plagues uninteresting. And most importantly, how do you make the parting of the Red Sea boring? Yeah, boring. I mean, how do you do that? What the fuck? How do you make the parting of the Red Sea boring? It's like he wanted it to be geologically realistic. What? Yeah. What is that? What? God why? had. Why? Why do you want that? Why? God can That's do anything he wants to do, and he's shown it through this movie. Yeah. He can break the laws of nature. Why can't he do that with the Red Sea? Why have you made the Red Sea into such a boring spectacle? How did you do that? That's your money shot, jerk. Yeah. It is Jesus. the money shot. And they both. He. They. So they. 
neither of them drown him and Moses. And yeah, and they screw the pooch character-wise too. It makes no sense. We're, it makes no sense. We're going to have a standoff where neither of us actually right. fight each other because right. that's what we're driving for for the movie. And if you're going to bother to bring them close together, then go ahead and have that stupid fight. But he doesn't even bother to do that. I and don't understand says, what he's doing dramatically with this no. movie. And then I don't he get it. And then Ramses goes, Ramses the Great, when he sees all his dead soldiers. That's so out of character for that guy, I thought. It doesn't make any sense. I don't no. know what he's going for. I have no idea what he's going for. <sighs> like a Sorkin scene where they negotiate, like in Moneyball. Oh, that's a great idea. Like, that's something I would have liked to have seen in this movie. Or suddenly have them teleported into the world of the fountain. I don't know something, something. where they're, where they're like in a, in a like when they both get swept underwater. I expected them to have an underwater fight or to be like yeah. It looked like it was going to happen for a second because they see each other and they're like oh wait this is going to be it's going to turn into a mortals. No, 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 that's the end of the movie. Nothing happens. He gets the wife, travels. He has to explain her. By the way, we're going to a different desert now. All right, so so before we before I go oh, what, like into go ahead, what well, just saying? say one last thing because it's kind of uh, it's what you're talking about. Like, remember when you said Interstellar is just like a lesser returns version of all the other Nolan movies? Yeah, that that's what this is to me. Like, it's like Gladiator, like the same plot line but shittier. Like, none of it's good. Like, it makes you go, wait, Gladiator was cool. Like, I was really invested in that character. Right. It's like, it's like well, everything's a lesser version of like a Robin Hood fight or a fucking. It's like this, a, this even has a lot of interstellar connective tissue, and I didn't think of Interstellar as an Exodus story, but but this this movie where he's leaving his family to go off yeah. on this godly mission, and his family won't look at him, and they and nobody can say goodbye to each other, and he doesn't age, and he doesn't age exactly. I mean, it's very interstellar in that way. It's very yeah. strange that there's that interstellar connective tissue. So I'm glad you brought that up. So what were you going to say before I cut you off? I'm sorry. I uh, what I was going to say is before I before I uh, go on and on about a couple of other things that really really annoy me about this fact that Ridley Scott cannot seem to tell a story anymore. Uh, I wanted to give you and both you and I wanted to give me a chance to say: Is there anything that you really really liked about this? Is there were there, were there was there a scene or a performance or something that you thought was really cool about this? I think he's a really poorly written character, um, and he doesn't get to do anything good. But I kind of liked what's that Edgerton guy's name? Joel Edgerton. I liked the girl, and I liked like there's something I like. I read a, a couple of reviews of this after I saw it, and there was a lot of like the dialogue's all over the map. Like sometimes they talk American, sometimes they're British. It's such a mishmash, and I kind of thought like for like the first half, I wasn't minding that. Like, I, I, no, like I, I agree with you. I, I like Joel's. You know, I, I think uh, this movie is roundly and incredibly miscast. Yeah. Um, but but what he's doing, he is doing this sort of, and he's Australian, but he is doing this sort of. There's the that moment early on where he's like, where they have the swords, and he's like, wait, I've got yours. That yeah, he does this thing where where it's like, no, no, we we got given the wrong sword. Like, okay, let, yeah. let's let's trade. But it's very, very, you know, it's, it's very, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And and also it's like, okay, everybody but the vice ray out, get out. Yeah. And he has this way of talking that 
either you're going to go all the way with that kind of thing, which I think is a really cool idea, or you're not. This movie has no idea how it's going to do that. Instead, yeah. it has John Turturro, like, waxing in this terrible British accent. Yeah. But then it has Joel Edgerton saying, hey, we got the wrong swords. Uh, you got mine. Let's try it. I mean, it's got this great sort of, you know, Mamet could have written this. Yeah. But he didn't kind of he a didn't, moment. Yeah, the writers threw him under the bus. That's the thing. He's yeah. doing yeah, – it's a waste of talent, I think. And yeah, I like it, it, yeah. he, was, he was really good to be in Great Gatsby, too, another movie that I didn't like. But I thought, he's perfect. He's actually doing something really good here. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. He's a great Tom Buchanan, and he was really good. Oh, I remember both you and Tom really, really liked him as Tom Buchanan. That's a good yeah. point. He seemed to know what he was doing. Well, he's a good actor. I just think he's he, he's a terrible idea to play Ramses. Uh, yeah. But if he's going to do it, if you're and if you're going to if you're going to have him say <laughs> say those little moments like everybody out, then go with it. You know, go with that. Like he's like a Godfather kind of guy. Well, for me, it's it, it's reminiscent of Harvey Keitel in yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Last the Last Temptation, Temptation of yeah. Christ. That's what I thought of too. He's like kind of Brooklyn-y. Yeah, it's like uh, you know he took the subway over to Jerusalem, and he's like, yeah, okay, and, and you're just going to go with that. So good, go with it. Yeah. But why they, not? They couldn't. Instead, it's this other weird. I don't get it. But all right, good, good. So that so you liked him. You said you liked the girl. What do you mean the girl? Well, I just like looking at her. Which girl are you talking about? His uh, Moses' uh, girlfriend, wife. Oh, okay, Moses' so, wife. Okay, so so Zippera. Uh, who's played uh, by Maria Val, uh, Valverde? Yeah, I loved her. I thought she yeah. was great. I thought she was great. She was soulful. Um, she it made me like him more because, like, oh, he got her. Yeah, it's the it's the worst. Um, the worst. Uh, She's out of his league. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> it's just the worst courtship ever because uh, this movie has no idea what to do with. Well, with why is it shipping. meaningless? It really does. Like, huge sheet. But she's great. You're right. She's really great, and she, she, she lends so much to the to the movie. You're right. Good. So, what else did you like about it? Oh, how many is that? Two. Two. I'll give you. I, I only have one. So you're you're. You liked one, one thing about the whole movie. Yeah, the one thing I liked about the movie, and I kind of was, I was kind of in good spirits early on because it wasn't as bad as um, Prometheus or. Robinson. Uh, and I was kind of like, okay, we're moving along. It's mediocre, but it's not offensive. Um, and most of this movie is mediocre, but not yeah. offensive. But Robin Hood was below mediocre, even. So yeah, this but, movie's better than Robin Hood. But this movie is sort of just like, it's moving along. It's not terribly paced. It's a little slow, but it's not offensively bad. Um, so uh, it's better than I thought it would be. And I was moving yeah. along with it for about an hour, and then I started to lose lose the thread so uh so you know i didn't out and out hate the first half of the movie i mean it's so the super- thing you liked was the first hour or no no the thing i liked yeah. there's there's one moment i really really loved and that was the um the breakdown of the battle where where the where the guy the guy has this whole like schematic like that that, that uh, obviously yeah. people have drawn of of how the battle went out and they're breaking it down for the pharaoh because he wants to know exactly what happened play by play, mm-hmm. and and it's and, and it's this great sort of joke about 
you know, like modern warfare where you can point and click and like, this is what happened at this moment in the battle. This is what happened in this moment in the battle. And they've actually pretended, and I, I can't imagine this is historical, that, that you could actually draw a cartoon of the entire battle and we can break it down piece by piece. And I love that that there that there is that thing and there there are a lot of like little moments in this movie that feel like they could be jokes if you push them far enough but they never do but that that huge like wall-sized breakdown of the battle where pharaoh is sitting there and going okay what happened at this point in the battle what happened at that point in the battle all right i'm done i love where he's pointing at different things at the page and he's going okay then at this point in the battle this happened because he's trying to suss out how that prophecy works out because nobody will tell him the truth except for Moses. And I love that they, you have this, like, the big board. It, this is like in the war room in Dr. Strange's <laughs> they have They have the big board up there, but it's on papyrus or something. And I it's love the... Weaver is Peter Sellers. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous that they actually do that. Uh, and I love that. I love that touch. And I wish that this movie had had more of that. Instead, you have just ugly pictures of... of cities that aren't being built for however yeah, so it's like he's there's better s- schematics in that scene than there are the actual battle in the movie so it's like ridley scott didn't even study the prop right right enough to stage the battle there's no good battles in this there really <laughs> isn't there's there's not a single good battle in it i don't and i don't know that there's any good um action set piece or cg no I don't but, think there's a, I don't think there's a thing that looks good in this movie. Yeah. But what, what, what looks good in it? Um, the gigantic statues, maybe. No, I like the first alligator. What is that? What was that alligator thing? What was that? <laughs> oh, is that one of the seven plagues? Was the, the crocodiles of the Nile? What? What the fuck was that? No, no. The and, and 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 if you want to fuck with the plagues, go right ahead. I mean, the first. I mean, you, you, we can go. You know, like all, the hail's not even that bad by that point. Like oh god, the hail feels nice on my sores. I know the, the hail like breaks a, a clay pl- clay pot and and Ramses is like, oh damn it, that's my favorite clay pot. And he's just annoyed by it. Yeah, Where, he really is. But the slaves are getting fucked by that shit too. Oh yeah. So, Okay. And 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 uh, Moses is mad at God about that. That's the thing. Is what's Moses? Like to me, this is even weirder than like the lack of good action, which is what I just assumed this movie was pitched as. It's like, yeah, yeah. we're gonna see frogs. It's like, what? Like, okay, if God's a petulant child, and Moses is following. Like, he's supposed to be like the sensible character. I don't know. Right. Well, they like, try to do that, but I just don't think it works. No, I don't, I don't know why it happens. I don't think it works because it, I don't know. I, partly because I think it's such an immature idea of God as a child. I mean, we all. I mean, we've written papers like that when we were in undergrad. I mean, but him fine. Is like, him is like, what's his take on the Israelites before he knows that he's one? Like, does he like does that have a big effect on what he would have done anyway? Or was he like, this is tyranny? I can't support it. Uh, well, no. There's only one kind of a moment where he's like, okay, early on, he with the priestess, he's like, the when you get in the position, retire her, which he means just kill that bitch. Yeah. And then, but he also has the heart of gold because he's like, I'm gonna go look at the slaves so I can find out what's going on with the kingdom, because he's the good son, even though he's not the son. Right. Um, but then he's you know, which is the which is exactly the same thing that happens in Gladiator, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, adopted versus real. Right. But even Glider, like he kills the he kills his dad. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And at the ending, they fight. I mean, Gladiator. Would you think that's implied here? Which part? That he kills Kilda? his dad because he's doing it's that. It's not very strongly implied, so I wouldn't say it. No, it's barely implied, but that whole thing with the venom of the snake and how he uh, references yeah. his father at that point, I think that he might be killing his dad. But it is. Nothing is well referenced in this movie. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's a terrible movie. It's absolutely terrible. My God. All right. So let me ask you a quick question. Uh, there's a huge controversy about the casting of this movie. Too white? Uh, because it's all white people playing non-white it's people. It's all... And I... uh, so what I want to ask is, do, do you think the people who are objecting to this... My, part one of my question is, do they have a beef? Um, they probably should, but it's such a, it's a fairy tale anyway. So it's like... I mean... It comes down to like, okay, so all the good characters and all the good soldiers in the movie are white, and all the assassins are black, and all the... Um, like, that seems unusual. Like, compared to 300 Rise of an Empire, which kind of felt less like that. Okay. But it was that kind of a world, wasn't it? I think so. I think, you're, I think you're, you're first, your very first point, that it's all a fairy tale anyway, uh, pretty, yeah, much takes, pretty much takes care of it. Right. Because... Like, because while I think they might have a beef, if we were talking about a real-world situation, like if we were casting the movie Selma yeah. and we were only putting like Bradley Cooper in as the part of Martin Luther King, fine. But this is a fairy tale um, as far as as far as we know from historical record and whatnot. If you want to believe that it's true, that's fine. But, uh, but Ramsey's – but if you, I mean, if you want to believe the biblical story is true, I have no problem with that. Uh, I, my, most of my family believes that. Good. This movie is not based on that. This movie is a fantastical version of that. So they can do whatever they want with the casting. My problem with the casting is that nobody's cast correctly. Yeah. It doesn't matter the race. Right. You've got John Turturro playing a pharaoh, and that yeah. is that is camp. That is high camp. Yeah, and it was Edward G. Robinson in the 50s one. Yeah. That's it's a classic film. Yeah. So this, there is that, there's precedent for... It's yeah. ridiculous. I, I mean... I, I, and I, what I wanted to ask you, and I, you know, I, I really don't want to wallow in it, but can you imagine who you would cast for, for these parts? Because nobody – well, any of these parts. I don't think there's a single part that's – other than maybe Ben Mendelsohn and some of the women. The women seem to be pretty solid other than – I don't know why Sigourney Weaver is even in this movie. Um, but the the uh, the women that you mentioned, the, the mother and the sister um, – they're cast really well, um, but other than Ben Mendelsohn, I can't I, I can't think of a single character who is cast well. And I like Joel Edgerton a lot. I love Christian Bale. Uh, I like John Turturro and other things. None of them belong in this movie. How about Xavier Bardem as the Pharaoh? Good, that's great. And and I would put um, this is uh, Taylor Lautner. Wow, I was I was wanting to see those two go at it. <laughs> For Moses, I would probably actually put Joaquin Phoenix because um, because he could at least pretend not to speak well, and Moses was supposed to be a poor spokesman. Well, yeah, and he's intense. He has those intense eyes, so that would be right. And then you would have to have a strong Aaron who speaks for him, which would totally restructure the script. But I just think that the, that rather than it being um, a controversy about race, it's just it's poorly cast across the board, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, people make to dos always about the wrong things, so it's kind of like. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Like, like I remember when Johnny Knoxville made that movie about 
pretending to be retarded so he wins the special Olympics. Like, re- retarded came out against it. But it's like in the movie he's doing it to like save a church or something like that. Right, but like the thing, the, the movie that the movie that got us the PG thirteen was fucking Indiana Jones: The Temple of Doom and Gremlins. Like, <laughs> and the thing that NC seventeen was like Henry and James, which is like a PG movie. Hmm. So like the things that made these high watermarks historically, whatever. Like, like this is just the latest thing. People feign outrage all the time. I don't know. It's the least of this movie's problems. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. And there, and there's this whole thing uh, that I started thinking about, you know, when Moses was doing the whole "let's disrupt their supply lines," and I was thinking, well, is this is this movie trying to make a point about terrorism or about the Palestinian thing? And then God starts doing the same thing, and it, it's trying to make him look proactive because he doesn't do anything. Well, well, what I realized was that what you what you said is right. There's, there's no reason to question anything about that. This is just a bunch of campy crap Gook, yeah. that they're pretending is important because it's from the Bible, and they sure. don't they they don't have a clue what the Bible is saying, and they don't care. And they, you know, it. I don't know. They don't. It's not. It's not that they don't get the Bible right. It's that they they don't get the dramatics right. Because even the introduction of the, the plagues. When he's talking about the final plague, when he goes in to have that confrontation with Ramses, he, he's coy about it. Yeah, he's coy right. about what the final plague is going to be. He's like, "Well, protect your kid. I'll see you later." Why are you? Why are you pretending this is a reveal? We all know what the final plague is. Yeah. Come on, and make it a dramatic you? scene. What you can go doing? put lamb's blood on your door. I don't know what they're People doing. I don't know what they're doing with the story, and and the fact that it's four screenwriters, you know, and a couple That's of them are from TV, and one of them is from Schindler's List, but hasn't done anything great in a while. And I mean, it's just it's just a mess. It's just crap thrown up against the board. Well, it's a tough, it's a challenging story to adapt. I think. Um, I don't think it is. I think you know, it's a story I grew up with, and it has such. Awesome cinematic possibilities. Yeah, when you're six, but then you think about it later. You're like, well, I don't know. Imagine if that happened. Imagine <laughs> how you, if if you and I were to sit down, like the three of us, if you, me, and Tom were to sit down and say, let's let's structure a script where God comes down, gets one of his agents to do something, and then visits these plagues upon the earth. What what are some interesting ways that we could do that? How could we represent God and how could we represent those plagues so that they're frightening and they're interesting and not just annoying? I mean what what are some ways that not only could we show them but we that we could reveal them and roll them out? They don't even bother to do that. What what God says is um uh you can do nothing right now. It's just your turn to watch, and then plagues just start rolling out yeah. like he's like he's rolling bowling balls. I mean, it's is that just... an applause line? You just watch. I'm going to do some CG now. I think it's supposed okay. to be, but I think that Ridley Scott is so far removed from what is actually dramatic tension that he has no idea how to create that. He just doesn't give a shit. Because the the first plagues start coming, and you're like, "What are the crocodiles? What? What's going on? Why are they taking that ship?" What's happening? Yeah, what? What is, yeah. Actually, that's what I was going to say. Is like if I if I was assigned the task of like writing the script, I would go, okay, you should show what the effects of these plagues are on the city. Right. 
We, and and then the frogs look like something from World War Z. I mean, it's just weird. It's just yeah, they all look the same. Like they're all just interchangeably minuscule looking. I just don't get what he's doing dramatically. I don't understand when you have the, that kind of power. If you're going to do that kind of power, it's like having ten nuclear bombs. What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to differentiate that? What are you going to do? How are you going to make that dramatic? And, he, and it's not dramatic. He, he reduces that and then ruins the final moment. I don't get it. There's also this thing, too, and I, this is what annoyed me about the uh, Dwayne Johnson Hercules, is like, okay, this is how it could have really happened, even though it's obviously not realistic anyway, so it's like... All right, I take umbrage with you talking about the Dwayne Johnson Hercules, because that movie is... Well, awesome. no, because he was supposed to be... Now it sucked, because that takeaway sucks. It's like, if you just say you're Hercules and you act cool, that's what's important. Like, you can accomplish good by just... A, arbitrarily announcing that you're the son of Zeus. All right, so uh, then I'm going to switch my over, because I was going to move us to over-under. My over was going to be Gladiator, now it's going to be Hercules. That's it. Because you brought that up, my over, uh, in talking about over-under for uh, Exodus, Gods, and Kings, my over is now Hercules. How do you uh, like that, Kelly Wand? My over, Go ahead. I call it Rays, is Passion of the Christ. Which, to me, oh, God. we've thought about many times. Uh, which I really want Tom to see at some point, and and to and to make a really but like Passion of the Christ to me was like a sense of place. Like I felt like this is probably what it. This is how I pictured all this happening when I read it. While as in this movie, it's kind of like this is how a studio budget. All right, so I will. Details. For once, I will agree with you. Uh, Passion of the Christ is better than this movie. <laughs> it's got ideas. At least, that, uh, at least it's, a hor- it's, it's a horror movie. It's a horror movie. Yes, yes. it is. But it's uh, like, that would suck. That would and, really suck. Well, as in this, when frogs and locusts and alligators attack, I'm not feeling it. And it has the courage of its convictions. It I does. Mean, when he's whipping that, when he's getting whipped, you're seeing those bits of flesh fly out. So. Yeah. Passion of the Christ has the courage of its conviction. Conviction. You have to say that about Mel Gibson. He was making a movie that was like, "We, I'm going to make Christian torture porn, and I am going to make you throw up," and he did it. And this and movie doesn't doesn't even come close to that. And, th- and this is supposed to be the Old Testament vengeful God. So, yeah, good on you, Passion of the Christ. Barbarities, like ancient barbarities. Like, this isn't, to me, a, a good snapshot of what Egyptian culture was probably like at the time. Like, are the slaves that oppressed? Like, we don't see that. It's just like fucking Dark Knight Rises, where they, like, put the cops in the sewer, but then they, they lower food to them. Right. Another like, Ben Mendelsohn. Ah, see? Why can't anything be good? It's such a weird thing to want that. All right, so what's your under for uh, Exodus? What would be your under movie? <laughs> I'm going to have to go with King David, starring Richard Gere. Ah, all right. I've never seen that. It's pretty boring. Okay. And 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 worse, and even more horribly miscast. Wow. And tougher to look at. And it takes an even better story, like a story that to me was even interesting. Like, oh, they never tell me this part. It's like right. throwing spears at him and shit. Do you remember that part? Like, I don't remember see. anything because I never saw King David starring Richard. No, no, I meant in the story. Oh, all right. Yeah. Where Saul is the king. He's like a dick, right? <laughs> David's his court jester. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
We're going to talk about this in a few minutes when we talk about your mini movie club, by the way. Um, but my under would be another movie based on a true story, uh, a supposedly true story, oh, but a true story that deals with the uh, the nation of Israel, and that would be the movie Munich, which I absolutely despise, <laughs> and I will put Munich under. You despise Munich? Exodus, Gods and Monsters. Yeah, I, I can't. I like stand. parts of it. Uh, I like parts of it too, but the ending is uh, the ending edit with him having sex while he's remembering all that stuff is so risable. It, uh, it more than ruins it for me. I think it's it, it makes it into a la- it makes it into one of those movies where somebody because Steven Spielberg is so powerful, nobody sat there and said, uh, "Don't do that." I'm begging you, don't do that. Uh, but nobody can talk to him like that. So I th- I think Munich is a is a mess, um, and I would rather watch. Uh, uh, gods and kings, then watch Munich again. Hmm. Wow. I know it's a pretty strong statement. Munich, huh? All right, so we've got our over under. <laughs> so let us move on happily and gladly into our very exciting mini penny movie club of Palooza movie that was suggested by Kelly Wand last week, based on having seen the movie Whiplash. Now, Kelly, you chose a movie that I would not have expected for Whiplash. I was expecting something like Pitch Perfect, or I don't know what it was. But it's what did you title. choose? What did you choose for Whiplash? I chose the motion picture Caveman. Ah, Caveman, written and by Carl Gottlieb, the writer of Jaws. Directed by Carl Gottlieb as well, Gottlieb. who also directed one of my favorite shorts of all time, The Absent-Minded Waiter. Did that have a talking horse on it? That no, is... it had uh, Steve Martin, Buck Henry, and I think Terry Gar. Um, it's it's one of it's one of the best shorts ever made. What's it uh, called? The head waiter. The... It's called the absent-minded waiter. Absent-minded waiter. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, as Steve <laughs> Martin as a waiter, and uh, Buck Henry comes in with his date, and he's like, everything they order, he'll be like, we'll take the filet mignon, and then. Steve Martin will write on his little tablet, okay, uh, stack of lips, uh, curly <laughs> maple surprise, and your cold lard omelet. Because he's absent-minded. He's not only absent-minded, he has no brain. It's just a great little short. So when I saw the name Carl Gottlieb on this, because uh, this is available in its entirety on YouTube, by the way. Um, that's how I saw Caveman. It is inv- available Caveman. in its entirety on YouTube. So you chose Caveman, yeah. uh, the Carl Gottlieb uh, production. Yeah. Go ahead. Another movie based on a true story, like Exodus. Ah, well done. Because, uh, you know, it's like Whiplash is about today's drummer, while as Caveman is about what was it like till like before drums were even invented? <laughs> How did you get the girl then? Did you actually watch Caveman this week? Yeah, I watch it every week. You do not shush. It's got Barbara Bach and Shelley Long in it. And do you know? Do you know, do you know when Caveman takes place? No, I forget. All right, Caveman takes place one zillion BC on October 9th. <laughs> Just like Jaws. Oh wait, different year. <laughs> So that's the opening joke, 1 zillion B.C., Get as it? opposed to uh, Exodus, which takes place in 1300 B.C. Yeah. But uh, 1 zillion B.C., October 9th. <laughs> hey, how do we know? It, just, it wasn't like that. It's got claymation in it. 
Yeah, well, it's got a, it's got all that great stuff. It's got a love stuff. triangle. It's got exciting action. It's got um, dinosaurs. It's got that giant bug on his, on the guy's face. It's got Dennis Quaid. Looking it's got Dennis like Quaid. He's twelve years old. Oh, I, I didn't. I had no idea he was going to show up in this. And every time Lars comes running up, I'm like, that's not. Is that what? Is this that is her foot. Quaid? That's his character. Yeah, he hops. Yeah. <laughs> See, he uh, hops, and then Ringo Starr stoops. But then yeah. they discover, but from they, hugging each other, they they discover the the science, science. of chiropractic. Yeah, because this movie is just chock full of chiropractic jokes, basically. His drumsticks are like little spines in your hands. <laughs> and it's got Shelley Long, who <laughs> I cannot stand. What? And she is hilarious here. She's perfect because she shows up and she gives this well-needed bit of sort of comic relief because Ringo Starr, bless his heart, is terrible in this movie. <laughs> but she shows up and she's got this deft touch and, and with, with a look, she can just do it. And, and Shelley Long is wonderful in this movie. Yeah. I think I'm a Shelley Long apologist because I like her in Night Shift too. I, I like don't I don't care for her. I, don't, I just don't care for Cheers. Her. You hate Cheers. I I never trips. watched it. It was it was something never my watched parents it. watched. It wasn't something I cared for. I was a I watched Magnum PI and Simon and Simon. <laughs> I did not but, care but that, for. Yours it. was a comedy that was half an hour long, and you're yeah. I wasn't into sitcoms. I I mean I loved Match. Yeah. I just didn't like Cheers. But also I was a kid, and what is a kid going to get out of like a Kelly, bunch of Kelly, adults Kelly. sitting in a bar? Did you ever hear the Kelly song? Yes, I did actually. The Woody Harrelson song. Yeah, that, that is awesome. You don't watch the whole series. No, <laughs> retroactively. I avoided watching Cheers. I just, I, I uh, even to this day, I just don't care for it. And part of it is that I think I find Ted Danson a little grating, and I don't get any of the characters. It just none of it works for me. Huh. But Shelley Long in this, adorable. She's adorable. Um, I I really liked her so much. Yeah. Uh, there's so much that's charming about this movie, including... Wait, you called me a fucker for making you watch it. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty annoyed that I had to watch this whole thing, but that, that said, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot here to, uh, to appreciate. And, and you, I think you have to appreciate the amount of commitment that it takes yeah. to make an entire cast do this language or absence of language for an entire movie. Yeah, I mean that is that is some real dedication that they're doing this ook, ook, muh, duh, guh, for the entire movie. He, Carl Gottlieb, got all these actors to sign on to say you're you're not going to say any real dialogue. All you're going to say is these weird grunts and things that are dialogue, but nobody's going to know them. We're going to do this for an hour and a half, and I think you got to even if I think this movie is terrible, I grudging grudgingly respect that. Look who he got to do that too. I know. <laughs> All right, Ringo Starr, drummer for the Beatles. You're the leading man. Come on, stop hating things, dingus. <sighs> but I, hey, man. But you got it. So, see. But it is very much sort of like the you, you understand where they got the idea for Forrest Gump now, because this this is sort of the precursor for Forrest Gump. Because this caveman discovers everything. Foot. Oh, but, I see. You know, he just discovers everything, and he and he always lucks out. Yeah, it's a joke in this movie, and then Forrest Gump acts. Does it the serious version? Like it's never seen Caveman before. Right. Uh, the, my my main beef though is is with the very very ending, where I think that 
What? What? What do you mean? When he throws her in the mud? No, after he throws her in the mud and he locks eyes with uh, Shelley Long across the yeah. crowd, I think yeah. it would have been infinitely more funny if he had gone down into the crowd and then taken Lars and brought Lars back up and they had been together. <laughs> I think if if two if he and Lars had gotten back gotten together instead of him with Shelley Long, I think that would have been even funnier. Oh, you don't want her to get laid? Oh, I yeah, I'm sure she'll she'll do fine with her blind friend there. Did you know he got Regisar got Barbara Bach because they filmed this movie together? Like they got married and they're still together. Oh my god. So she's terrible at this. No, she's great. She farts. Everybody farts. Yeah, but there's not many movies where Barbara Bach farts, except for Spy Who Loved Me and Force Ten from Navarone and this movie. Uh, so there's one thing I, have huge, I, I think is horrible about this movie. <laughs> uh, and by the way, are you ready to read listener submissions if there are any? Yeah, but I want to hear your final... All right, my final, uh, really, my big... My, <laughs> there's a bunch of roofy jokes in the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah. That's really, yeah, it's topical. Yeah, and right now, it kind of makes me want to throw up when I'm watching it. Yeah, but this was back in this is back in the prehistoric days. Yeah, well, th- that's the that's one of the arguments that they're making about Bill Cosby's. Like back in the '60s and '70s, everybody did. Right? Everybody drugged girls and then had sex with them. And that's yeah. this movie is making a whole bunch of jokes about him when she's drugged. Trying to have sex with her, and it's yeah, but she's the least character, so she has it coming. Oh God, it's so watching that Kelly. I was just like, oh my God, this is really. Are we making roofy jokes? But I mean, I don't know when Caveman came out, but but, but oh for all God. we know, that's you're a descendant of that tribe, and you only exist because of those roofies. But honestly, it got me sick to my stomach. It's like he's. He's gonna. Rape. She's drugged, and he wants to have sex with her, and that's the joke of this scene. Yeah, but in Wedding Crashers, they do that too, and no one. Then it's cute. I don't remember that. Well, they get them all drunk at the weddings. It's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Drugging a girl and getting her drunk, or getting yourself drunk, is different than knocking a girl out and having sex with her while she's asleep. That's that's the joke here. And what's funny about it, apparently, is that her muscles are so strong that she just strangles him with her knees or something. Yeah. Oh, man, Kelly. See? Uh, watching this, this... She beat the drug. <laughs> she beat the drug. Yeah. But maybe it's like... Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's how John Matusak got her. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So I apologize for being a scold as far as that's concerned. I think it's like when something like that, I like I see what you're saying, but that that's such a common thing. Like when something become when something's given the news cycle and then you see a movie from like uh, say 1953 and then it has like the same thing in it. Right, but it's so prevalent in the news right now uh, that watching it this week it made it really uncomfortable for me when we got to that scene. And when I realized where the scene was going, I was just, I was like, Oh my God. And I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming you for it. I'm just like, Oh my God. That's, that was the sensibility at that time that, that if she's asleep, then this caveman can fuck her and that's fine. And that's funny. Oh man. It's so, uh, it was just, he gave me the heebie jeebies this week. If you put, they're little red berries. So if, puts them in the orange and she doesn't see after the first bite then obviously she is consenting 
<laughs> oh my god, I can't believe you said that. What I thought was going to happen when he fell asleep between them, when he picked up the orange or the mango or whatever it is, yeah. I thought he was actually going to just put that down and and, and have sex with that. And fuck thing. the mango? Yeah, fuck, fuck the mango, as they say in the surfing business. Instead, he falls asleep for no reason. Instead of just going, instead of giving up and going back to where he was. Well, I think he's tired from trying to rape her. <laughs> Yeah, it's exhausting. All right. All right, so uh, so listener submissions. What do you got for us? Oh, hang on. I thought we were going to keep talking. Sorry, I have to reconfigure my... Uh... We can certainly keep talking more about this awful thing about the movie that freaked me out. Or you can bring up more of your trenchant observations about the caveman. Ronnie Mo wrote his thing. Okay, it's, this is caveman specific. Good. Uh, Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. Well, caveman isn't quite what I expected. Really? I thought the title kind of... Never mind. But I'm not <laughs> sure what I expected from a Ringo Starr's caveman vehicle. So Paul Weimer hadn't seen this. Huh. Uh, I, yeah, good. Uh, then I joined the Paul Weimer Club, because I hadn't seen it either. I would just watch any movie called Caveman to see... I think I'm obsessed with cavemen. Because they're just a step away from dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> As Jurassic World teaches us. <laughs> If it weren't for that, I wouldn't care about Dingus. Right. Getting back to paleontology, it didn't thrill me. <laughs> it's not a thriller. It's a rom-com. It's a meet-cute. The Redberry meet-cute. But I did like some of the small details, like the belly rubs and licking of lips on the dinosaurs. Oh, and the 2001 music movie riff, When They Discover Fire. It's the small things in life you treasure. Best regards, Paul. It sounds like he's straining to be polite, and he didn't like the movie. What I found funny about that particular 2001 thing is that <laughs> that that's they they did a riff on it instead of just using the music, which is open source. I mean, they could have just used uh, also Sprock's Zarathustra, but instead they did a weird like movie version of it, which I thought like was pretty in, uh, pretty funny. Like in Kelly's Heroes, when they do the Good, Bad, and the Ugly riff, even though it's right. Right, and then later in the movie, where they also do sort of a um, bridge on the river quiet thing too. Yeah, you know what? Those jokes always suck. That's always like the low hanging fruit. No, but they could have just used also Sprock, but instead they they messed with it, which is weird because yeah. they have to. Because if I understand, that movie is that that music is in the public domain, so they could have very well used it. I don't like jokes that reference other movies like that. I think it's I think it's weak. All right. Like oh, we all saw Godfather. That's why that's funny. <laughs> Unless it's like airplane, where you're like juxtaposing Saturday Night Fever and um, ah, good, good one. I'm glad you picked that one. That's a good one to pick. See, they they did something interesting there. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just like, oh look, Kelly LeBrock says, "Go ahead, make my day." That's really funny. Right. Right. So, Chris Markardson. Hey, many many movie club Palooza. K Man has some strange moments in it. I had no idea that there would be stop-motion animation in the movie, or that there would be an almost total lack of English spoken either. The fart jokes also cut me off guard. <laughs> Do you think farts were funny to keep them? Were they no. solemn? Their whole religion was based around it. They weren't funny to them. They, they, the, that one dude's fart was so powerful, it threw Ringo Starr off the platform. Right, but is that based on an actual event? Yeah, I think you see that on the cave wall. It was imprinted. Remember in uh, History of the World Part 1? No. Okay. Chris Markinson continues. 
I did learn that grabbing a woman by the legs and pushing her underwater is a viable and very successful means of fishing. <laughs> oh, yeah. See? Dingus, come on. All right. It's, it's just how they are. It's just, oh. a, it's just a reality of the primitive world. All right. Very good. Was anyone else a little uncomfortable with Atu drugging Laura? And then try to have Zug Zug with her while she's unconscious. Yeah, it's possible that I was, Chris. But you're just, you were, you were born uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm born uncomfortable with a rape. That's me. Well, did you hear that, George Carr? <laughs> you said rape twice. Yeah, I like rape. Yeah, but then that guy gets shot because he has gum in his mouth. See? So That's the rape joke's setting up the other joke. Yeah. Or when George Carlin said rape can be funny and he goes I'll prove it and he goes picture Porky Pig raping Elmer Fudd or was it the other way around I have no idea the word pretty much puts a damper on any, any chance I have to the laugh. R word yeah it doesn't, it doesn't work for me but murder's funny yeah I will admit that I thought that having Bolero play in the background was a nice touch and I'm assuming that they were trying to spoof the movie 10, which is the same song. Oh, See, I didn't another, even think about that. Well done, I forgot Chris. About it. Yeah. yeah. That was like the year before, too. See, it's full of movie references. <sighs> Why do I like it? Idiot. Speaking of Barbara Bach, my goodness, she is attractive. It's a testament to how popular the Beatles must have been that Ringo Starr was able to woo and marry her. Because she obviously didn't do it for his acting ability. What are you talking about? He's great in this movie. What? Sick, sick burn. <sighs> Everyone's so mean. This wasn't a very good movie, but still so much better than Exodus, Gods and Kings, and almost an hour shorter. Thanks. <laughs> See, did you notice, though, that it's like I try to tie it in with this week's movie and last week's movie. Oh, is that what you were doing? That's the new thing. All you right. have to do that for yours. Because okay. it's like it's ancient history stuff. And it's a historical figure. Okay. <laughs> but it's also a drummer. And it's a one-word movie title, and it's about a it's a coming of age story, <laughs> <laughs> like Whiplash and Caveman. Okay, are we done with Caveman? Uh, have I you uh, have you read all of the listener submissions? Have you read all the listener submissions? Yes. All right. So give me five seconds real quick, and I'm going to ask you that same question, okay? All right. Because I don't know where you went for a few seconds there, but we'll just uh, give me five seconds right now, okay? So have you read all the listener submissions? Yes. All right. Excellent. So uh, before we reveal what we'll be seeing next week, let me reveal next week's Mini Penny Movie Club of Palooza movie. That was inspired by having to sit through Exodus, Gods, and Kings. Oh. Are you ready for this? I'm trying to predict it, but I can't. 
I'm so excited to see this movie again. I love this movie so much. It came down to two different movies, but I went with one that that had more the, the uh, costumes that were more like this. So uh, I am going to say that for the well, wait, maybe I shouldn't. Hmm. This is based on. Man, I'm, I'm suddenly having a hard time deciding between these two things. The two movies or the two reasons to pick what you're going to uh, the, the two movies that I really want to pick. Um, um, to have Tom roll a die. No, I can't do that. I am going to pick the movie... <laughs> Kelly, have you ever seen the movie Troy? Yeah. All right. I have like that. Have you ever seen the movie The Eagle? No. I want to. All right. So for this week's movie, mini movie, Club of Palooza, you are going to see, we are going to see the movie The Eagle. Who's the girl in that? I don't know, uh, unless you think of Channing Tatum as a girl. Mm. Mm. Depends on how he's lit. <laughs> um, the Eagle is a movie that uh, surprised the heck out of me. Um, I really, really loved it. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of a historical. Uh, it's about centurions, right? Kind of, yeah. So, so uh, for next week's mini movie club of Palooza, please see the Eagle. The uh, Eagle, uh, directed by a guy named Kevin McDonald, and it stars Channing Tatum and Jamie Bell, and. Um, and I really like it. When I was thinking about movies sort of a cast against uh, the movie we saw this week, I immediately went to Troy, which is a movie I really like, but it's a guilty pleasure for me. Um, the Eagle is not a guilty pleasure for me. I think it's legitimately really good. So I'm excited to see it again to see if I'm right about that. And I would love for you to see The Eagle if you can. Troy, I remember not liking that much till I saw Alexander. And then I went, <laughs> all right, Troy's the good one. <laughs> Yeah. Troy, I think, is the has the right level of camp um, cast uh, instead of like uh, Gods and Monsters, Gods and Kings, which does not. Well, Gods and Kings cuts away from anything good, and Troy, and like, also has Brad Pitt in it. Troy has Brad Pitt in it, and Brad Pitt is notorious for eating in every one of his movies. And one of the weird things about Joel Edgerton in Exodus is that he's eating in every scene. I have no idea why he's doing that. He eats stuff and then he throws it at people. It's so weird. Wait. In Gods and Kings? In Gods and Kings, Joel he Edgerton is just food. he's eating and then he'll like throw it at a peasant or just throw it across the room. It's just he's <laughs> constantly like chewing on something. He's like, My character as Pharaoh is just gonna chew on sunflower seeds. All right, Joel, go for it. Uh, but anyway, the so for the mini movie club of Palooza, please see uh, the Eagle. The Eagle. Um, and for next week, next week's main movie that we are going to see, please join us um, for the uh, movie podcast to see us talk about the movie Inherent Vice, mm. which is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie that totally snuck in under the radar, and he's one of our favorite directors. So I'm not... It's also the first Pinchon adaptation ever. Oh, I didn't even know that was that. That's the first I... Pinchon adaptation? Yeah. Oh, wow. I haven't read the book either. Wow. I've only read V. Did you read any Pinchon? No, I don't think I have. I don't think anything by Thomas Pinchon. It was this or The Hobbit, and... Um, he did not write The Hobbit. 
Oh, wait, that was Salinger. Sorry. Oh, that's right, yes. Matt Salinger. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what was that saying? Oh, so if you guys really want a Hobbit Opsis, which is probably the only reason to see the Hobbit, uh, let us know. Because I'm not convinced there's a market. Yeah, you're going to, you seriously, listeners, if you really want The Hobbit, you're going to have to let us know. You can either write us at 3x3 at quarter to three dot com, or you can uh, you can get us uh, on our Facebook page, the quarter to three Facebook page. You should like us there. Uh, you should follow us on Twitter at QT3. You can also just search Tom Chick on uh, Twitter to find him. Let us know there. Or you can even follow me on Twitter. I'm dingus underscore uh, X. Dingus underscore X. So if you let us know in any of those ways, email us at 3x3 at quarter3.com or our Twitter accounts or Facebook. If you really want us to see Hobbit, you're going to have to push us because we do. I do not want to see it. Um, I think Kelly would, would be awesome at doing an opsis of it. And I know there are certain uh, people who want us to do it, but unless there's an actual groundswell, we are not going to waste our time with the Hobbit. Yeah, because if you guys don't care, we don't care. Right. And so even though it's coming out this coming week, um, we're going to see Inherent Vice instead. We can always see Hobbit over Christmas or whatever. It'll be and, around. And, and do the show for you. Um, which reminds me, actually, one of the wonderful things, and this is the last thing I'll say about uh, Exodus Gods and Kings. Um, <laughs> I watched all of the credits. And as you watch the credits... Really? You watch all of them march up, and you see these huge things of like the um, the crew that was in Spain, the crew that was in even in Canada. There's a, like in the in one of the studios in Canada. I mean, there's all these like gigantic chunks of text of all the people who worked in these various areas. So and then at the the very last one that scrolls up is the crew from Egypt, and it's like five guys. Uh, so they're they're in Egypt for like ten minutes, I think. Well, Egypt probably it doesn't. It's not a pro Egypt movie. Egypt does not does yeah. not do a very good stand in for uh It's Exodus. the birth of a nation for Egypt. <laughs> oh my god. Why did you, know, you why did you do that for your tagline, you creep? That's not a tagline. It is now. But like that Ramsey's his like body's in a museum. And like he was like a really badass fairy who like conquered most of the known world. So it's weird. It's like, it'd be like if Egypt made a movie about George Washington. All right, fair enough. I guess that's like true. Spectre Clouseau. Okay. All right. So for the quarter to three movie podcast, Uh-oh. yeah. Sorry, I have been uh, uh, Christian Morosky. Picture the I've, Hobbit. Like I've that. been joined by Kelly Wand. Oh, when? What? We talking about? I'm talking about uh, wrapping up the podcast right now. So next week they Uh-oh. will join us for Inherent Vice. They'll do the mini movie club of the Eagle. But for now, we're the quarter three movie podcast. Tom Chick will be back with us soon. I am Christian Morosky. I've been joined by Kelly Wand. Thou shalt not listen anymore to this. She said, tell me, are you a Christian child? And I said, am I He doesn't mean that voice, though, right, Dinkus? Uh, I'm pretty sure Elvis is from Egypt. Remember, he played a sheik. If that's what faith means, I would like, I would leave mine to keep you, Kelly Wand. <laughs>
All right. <laughs> I don't even know what that fucking line means.